studies and street preaching and getting together with their friends and doing some good things for the cause of Christ. And I am all about that. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might increase his strength. Even the youth shall fall, uh, shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. To quote my dad, we know that, but do we know that? Brother Ron, would you open the message in a word of prayer, brother? Amen. As I was studying for the message this morning, the message isn't Isaiah 40, 31, although that would be a good message, amen. But as I was studying for the message, Isaiah 40, 31 was on my mind. I'm reading through Exodus is where we're going to be this morning, and, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm reading it in, in, in the back of my mind. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen. After prayer this morning, we sang it with the men, and it encourages my soul. It really does. <clears throat> you say, well, Isaiah 40, 31 has nothing to do with Exodus 14. Well, I, I, you know, the entire Bible points to Jesus Christ, period, period. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget, but there's 47 authors in a span of 1,300 years that's covering a history. That's over 4,000 years of history covered. And it all points to Jesus Christ. And at any point we could be reading and studying the word of God, at any point in any scripture we could be singing in our mind, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I'm glad that Jesus is the theme of it all. But with Isaiah 40, 31 in our minds, can we, and as we look at the message this morning, I would encourage everybody to be singing that song in the back of your mind, be thinking about that verse, singing that song while I'm preaching, while we're reading other scriptures, be singing in the back of your mind, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. You know there's an eagle in the parking lot here yesterday? You guys know that. We got, Jimmy, I think, got a bunch of pictures. Rachel might have got one. It was right up there. It was awesome. Jimmy's got an eagle eye. It just came to me. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That wasn't even in my notes. That was just, that's how quick I am. <laughs> Exodus chapter 40, verse 31. Or I'm sorry, 14, verse 31. And, and as we read this and throughout the message, I, I encourage you. To be singing in the back of your mind, they that wait upon the Lord. Exodus chapter 14, verse 31. says, And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. 
Chapter 15, verse 1 says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing in the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. And if you were to read the whole rest of the chapter, I mean, it is a, a continuous praise to God for what, for what he did for them at the Red Sea, not just saving them from 400 years of bondage, not just saving them from generation after generation after generation of slavery and hard labor. Save them from all that, but then to save them from all those plagues, then to save them from the Red Sea. That man, they were just the whole rest of that chapter, they're just singing God's praises, how wonderful he is. He's so wonderful. Until three days later. Lasted three days. Three days. Three days. That's six. Three days. Look at verse 22. Uh, chapter 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. I got two points this morning. Point number one, we are good at what we know. You play fiddle all your life, you're going to be good at it. You're going to teach kids music all your life, you're going to be good at it. <coughs> The children of Israel couldn't last three days without complaining. I know they had no water. And I'm sure that I would be complaining and I would be bitter. But, but after all that they'd gone through, you think that God didn't plan this and have something prepared for you? But Jimmy got married recently. How long after your honeymoon was your first fight, do you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, pulling out of the church parking lot, you know? <laughs> Amen. Um, I, did, I forgot to check with you this morning. Was our first fight, was our first fight over hunting? Five months. But there was five months of pent-up aggression, and we really, you know... Uh, <laughs> oh, I could tell that story again, but the point I'm trying to draw out is how long after we got saved do we find ourselves mad at God for something? Usually something stupid, right? He saved us miraculously from, 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 from an eternal uh, damnation, eternal death, a second death. Thank God for that, but yet, how long after we got saved were we going, my life is so hard, I'm so complaining, God never does this for me, I expect God to do this, and our complaint, our complaint ratio it doesn't really match what God's doing for us. It ought to be like complaint ratio, nothing, God's blessing us, amen. If God saved us and he never did nothing for us, if there's no other promises, and there's a lot of them, Man, we'd have a lot to be thankful for, and we should always be happy. But what happens when you get angry? You often get bitter. I mean, that's like, if, 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 if zero is anger, point zero 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 one is bitterness. I mean, like, comes right after. Mara, the place where they were at, they named it that, because Mara literally means bitter look at verse 23 and when they came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter therefore the name of it was called Mara. and only a matter of three days 
they find themselves at a place of bitter water. And they're complaining to the Lord, murmuring and complaining. Like, how could God do that to them? And Almighty God, take them to a place of bitter water was their mentality. Then they let it grow. Then they let it fester and they dwelt on it. You got a million and a half people at least at that point <coughs> complaining. I've got one guy at work that's the complainer. Oh my goodness. He's the grudge holder. I deal with him every day. Every day, he's a victim. Every day, he, you know, it's like, it's hard to be encouraging around those guys. But imagine a million and a half people that are complaining. A million and a half people getting bitter about it. I bet you, speculation, they got worked up into a frenzy. Having that many people with no water, that many people absolutely just letting their mouths go. I bet you it was awful. Here they find themselves literally in a place of literal bitterness. You realize, after 400 years of bondage, they're complaining about their living situation. After three days. I, I got to thinking, we don't have to turn there, but Paul was amazed at how quickly the Galatians changed in their doctrine. Galatians 1.6, he said, I marvel that you're so, so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ in another gospel. We are good at what we know. We are, and we're good at complaining. We're good at being bitter. We, people are good at being negative because that is our natural state. When I woke up and saw the white outside, <clears throat> I wasn't praising God, <laughs> you know, <coughs> immediately anyways. But we're good at what we know, and we're best at what we know best. And we're best at what we practiced the most. We're best at what we practiced the most. Um, um, what's his name? I can't think of his name, probably for good reason. Evangelist one, one time told me, a big, big name evangelist told me that, talking about the banjo, and he said something about, he said, well, practice makes perfect. I said, that's not true. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect. If you're practicing wrong, you're just going to perfect what you're doing more wronger. Practice does not make perfect. <clears throat> that's too general of a statement. But we're good at what we do best, and we're good at being bitter, good at complaining. We think about smut all the time, and that's what comes out of our mouth, what's, what enters our mind with every thought that we have. <clears throat> Matthew 15, 18, Jesus said, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. Can we turn to, keep your place in Exodus, turn to Titus chapter 1, Titus chapter 1, verse 15. I, I, I push it often, most messages, it's a hard issue, always has been, always will be. It's a hard issue. It, <clears throat> you know, somebody once said, oh, I, <clears throat> they got caught with their phones and, and doing things they shouldn't do with their phone and they said I'm just going to throw this phone away I'll solve all my problems it ain't the phone it ain't the TV it ain't the computer it's not your car's fault for taking you to that place you shouldn't have gone it's not your eyes fault it's not your hands fault it's a heart problem it's a heart problem Titus 115 unto the pure all things are pure but unto them are the are 
but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. We live in that way, in that state of mind today. It's popular. They profess, and this is important. I had a guy tell me just this week that uh, he had Jesus in his heart. And, we, and as, we, as we talked in the conversation, he didn't even know what that meant. I mean, amen. Let me not go down that road. But this verse came to my mind when I was talking to him. It says, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. Being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. Hey, if, if you're questioning your salvation, if you're having doubts about your salvation, look at your life. What fruit are you bearing? Some people, the only fruit they have is to the flesh, to the flesh, to the flesh, to the flesh, every single day. No desire, no desire for the milk, no desire for the meat, the, the meat, just living to self. It's really simple. I mean, do you want to have the right reaction to trouble in your life? You want to mature in the Lord. You want to be a good example for others. Jeremiah 15, 16, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Thy words were found. Man, my dad quotes this all the time. It says, Thy, thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. You know, Jesus knew what he was talking about when he rebuked Satan. Matthew 4, 4, but he answered and said, It is written that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. If the word of God is the bread of life, if that is our nourishment, is that, if that's what gives us uh, sustainability, uh, let alone uh, um, um, keeping us alive, let alone to be healthy, shouldn't we digest this? We should be eating this? We should be uh, uh, savoring the flavor every moment that we get. The children of Israel did what they do best. They praised God and they blessed God for the blessings in their life. But once that was ended, after three days, they murmuring, complaining. And I say this all the time, but we get on them, but we do the same thing. Every one of us do. We expect God to save us in the troubled times, yet we ignore his direction that he has for us every single day. Every single day. We know this, and we're good at it. Number one, we know we're, we're good at what we know. Number two, my final point, he proved them. God proved them. But look at Exodus 15.25. Back to our text, Exodus 15.25. Moses speaking, he says, And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Uh, there he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Webster's 18.28 Prove, to try, to ascertain some unknown quality of truth by an experiment or by a, a test or standard, to try, to examine, to make certain, to show. When David... Young little David stood before Saul. David said, I can't wear these. I haven't proved them. I haven't proved them. We could just understand what's happening here. Three days after leaving the Red Sea, they come to this place of bitter waters. 
And they're complaining, they're murmuring, and I'm sure it was extreme. I'm sure emotions were high, tempers were high. Moses cries out to God, and God says, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make a statute, I'm going to make an ordinance, I'm going to prove you with that. I'm going to prove you with that. God gave us a statute and an ordinance to prove us. But how much time during the week do we spend reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, praying to the Lord? God gave us a statute and an ordinance. You know, David, he said, I didn't prove these, I can't wear them. David didn't have blind faith. He proved God's faith. By exercising faithfulness with his sling, exercising faithfulness with his obedience in his job, taking care of the the the, the wolves and the in the 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 um, what did he kill? It was a bear and a lion, wasn't it? David proved his little sling through faith and fervency. How about we take our sword and we prove it through faith? In fervency. That way when we have a bear come, we have a lion come, we have a wolf come, we can just pull that out because we know how it works. We know how to use it. We know how to yield our sword. But the problem is our sword is rusted to our side because it ain't never used. Now, we're, now what happens? Pastor, what do I do about this wolf? I can't do I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've never used it. What happens? Psalms 34, 8, it says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> God told Israel to tithe. Malachi 3, 10, he said, Bring you all the tithes in the storehouse, uh, that there may be me in my house, and prove me now therewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be enough room enough to receive it. God has literally laid out for his people. Hey, do this, you're gonna be blessed. Follow my word, you'll be blessed. Follow my you know what? You want a good marriage? Do this. Just follow my word. Learn, study my word, it's gonna help you in all aspects of life. But we don't. Because we're too busy. Back to our text, Exodus 15, 26. And said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and wilt do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all thy statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon me which I have brought unto the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that he, uh, God, I am the Lord that he healeth thee. God literally laid out the ground rules that would lead to happiness and contentment and, and, and maturity and the knowledge. Jump to Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. This is where I'm, I'm wanting to get to, Amen. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after the departing out of the land of Egypt. Which, by the way, this is six weeks in. So three days after Red Sea, they're complaining and they're whining. Now six weeks uh, after the Red Sea crossing, six weeks and one day, literally one chapter ago in the Word of God, 
We're talking, remember, one and a half million people plus at this point. Verse 2, Exodus 16, 2. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to him, Would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the, to the full, for ye have brought us forth into the, this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Here God's doing it again. He's proving the children of Israel. He's giving them specific instructions on what to do, and he's waiting to see if they'll obey it. What are his instructions? Well, if we were to read on, God clearly lays out specific instructions to only take what you will eat for that day, eating nothing more, nothing less. And the sixth day, gather enough for the seventh so you don't have to work on the Sabbath day. Thus, God's reinstating that uh, not working on the seventh day is holy. Amen. But of course, the people didn't like that. Look at Exodus 16, 26. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for uh, that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day uh, the bread of two days. Abide ye every man in his place, let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Jump to verse 35. And the children of Israel did eat manna forty years until they came to the land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came into the borders of the land of Canaan. This is where I'm getting to this morning. God had a plan for the children of Israel. But because they couldn't see it, they had to take matters into their own hands by whining and complaining. God, God gave them manna for 40 years, literally read from heaven. But did it taste like it was like wafers and honey or something like that? Guys, God's given a spiritual bread. Literally from heaven. To eat every day of our life. Whether in the wilderness, whether in the bitter plains of Mara, or whether in the shade trees of Elam, whatever. You have bread to eat. Just got to eat it. Let's go back to waters of Morrow and we'll close. <clears throat> Exodus fifteen twenty seven. Exodus fifteen twenty seven. And they came to Elam. This is right by this is so three days after the Red Sea. They're at, they're, they're at in the, the place where they called Morrow because the water was bitter. And then from Morrow, then we go to this verse. It says, "And they came to Elam, which were twelve uh, wells of water and three score and ten palm trees and they encamped there by the waters well I got interested and I looked on a map and I found the estimated place where they called Mara and then I looked for the place called Elam you know how far away it was nine miles you know on foot that's, that's, that's a lot for us in Bible times in Bible times, they say that uh, uh, soldiers would march 30 miles a day. That's, that was just their 
if they were marching going somewhere, they're on average would be 30 miles a day, sometimes more, sometimes less, obviously. 30 miles a day. Well, they're like an army. You've got a, you got a million and a half plus at this point. So if, if Elam was only nine miles away from where the wells of water and the palm trees of shade in the desert are, it appears that they could have got there in a half a day or less, potentially just a few hours. What I'm saying is they got to this place because of their thirst, they were crabbing at each other. They just started crabbing at God. God had water for them right there. If they wouldn't have spent their time in bitterness and complaining and murmuring, spending all their time in the bitter plains of Mara, they would have just kept going obediently with what God told them. They, but before they were done complaining, that they could have been at the water getting refreshed. But they didn't. You would think, because the Bible doesn't give every detail that every second of the day that happened, but you would think that the children of Israel learned a lesson from that. said, oh my goodness, look how close we were. The whole time we spent all that time complaining, and God had to set these ground rules because all we just caused a big stir, but really there's blessings right around the corner that we were ignoring the whole time because we didn't trust God enough that he knew what he was doing. God was literally taking them to the wells of water and shade trees. But just because they couldn't see it, they became bitter. As a pastor, as a Christian, I see that all the time. We can't see what God's doing. We're going to get bitter in our place. The problem is, is people stay in a place of Mara. They dwell in Mara. They don't ever leave. They don't ever take the next step waiting for those blessings of God. Wouldn't it be so wise if we just filled ourselves with the word of God every single day like God tells us to do? We'd be ready to give an answer because we know our Bibles. Our confidence in the word of God, our peace would be so great. We'd be able to help people. We could be an encouragement. We would know what we stand for. We could be able to, we'd be able to call out false doctrine at the top of a hat. Because we know our Bibles. Satan will try to do everything that he can to keep us in a place of Mara. Turn to Ephesians 5.17. We'll close there. Ephesians 5.17. Satan will do everything he can to keep us in a place of bitterness. He wants us to taste the bitter waters of Mara. He wants us to lose our focus. He wants to keep forgetting what God's done for us. He wants us to keep forgetting uh, that, uh, that we should be filling our minds with the word of God. But instead, he wants to fill our minds with bitterness, resentment, lust, addiction, anything to get our minds off God. trying to tell you this morning Hope Baptist Church that God is literally trying to prove us whether we like it or not you, you, you know what a leader does you know what a father does your son wants responsibility okay 
You can ride your bike two houses down and two houses down that way. That's your border. You can go two houses down. He abides by that and he's faithful to that. Pretty soon, hey, you can go down six houses. Faithful to that, you can go down to the end of the street. But the problem is, no, we do. Church members, children. That's stupid. That's a stupid job. I'm not even going to do it. It's stupid. God's literally trying to prove us whether we like it or not. And our reaction to conflict is proving to ourselves and to God where our character is and where our trust really lies. I don't care what happens in our lives. And there's things that people have gone through that I, I, I literally can't imagine. I've never been there. I hope to God I never will be. There's heartache that comes through. And, and I may not be able to speak from experience comparing to some people, but I can speak boldly that says, hey, if we would know our Bibles... If we would digest this word, whatever that comes our way, we can still find peace through it. We can still find a full belly of satisfaction. I can say that boldly. And I wish my family would grasp that. I wish our our church family would grasp that. I wish that your pastor would grasp that. Wouldn't it be a blessing if the next time we find ourselves struggling with what to do in any situation, whatever it is, whatever it is, we just sing to ourselves, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. When I was on a framing crew, man, I was going to tent meetings like... All the time. Revival meetings, special meetings, church all the time. We're street preaching, amen. And man, them guys were relentless. But in my heart, while I'm tearing shingles off a roof, in my heart, while I'm building walls, while they're just running their mouths, Jesus passed by my way. He made me whole that day. Just a sinner was I. Jesus passed by. Oh, what a change in my life. Jesus passed by. Then it doesn't even matter what they said to me. My focus isn't on him. My focus isn't on the bitter water that I'm tasting right now. My focus is putting my trust in the Lord, knowing that, hey, whatever happens, he's going to take care of me. I trust just with my co-workers. Amen. Ephesians 5, 17. Wherefore, be, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, singing, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It's not the same going to church on TV. It's not the same. I thank God for it. What a ministry it is. Uh, I'm glad that we can tap into it. It's Amen. But it's not the same. The fellowship's not the same. The singing's not the same. It's not the same. Not to mention the selfish attitude of, because your only concern is what you get out of the service. Just by Jimmy being here, he's a blessing to Rob and Jessica and Michelle. 
Just by Miss Jen being here, she's a blessing to Miss Darla and Brother Eric and Brother John. We're blessing each other. We're shaking hands. It's encouragement. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, <coughs> I thank you for our church. I thank you for our church family. I thank you, Lord.